0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival, and joining me is my usual partner in crime, Adam Zeller. Hello again, everyone. And we are back for another comic-themed episode. We're doing quite a few of those lately, uh, which has been cool. It's been nice to keep up on them a bit better, actually. And so we are actually welcoming a special guest to the show. He's um, been the driving force behind the latest Alien 1, uh, William Gibson's Alien 3 but don't let the title fool you because um, a man named Johnny Christmas has been doing the writing and artwork for it. So welcome, Johnny, to the show. Oh, Thanks for having me on, guys. And I've been really looking forward to having you on, actually, because this has been a series I've been really looking forward to, actually. It's been one of those things that I've been dying for, like we were discussing off mic since, you know, the Star Wars came out and I realised there was a chance to see these other scripts that were very well known, but you know there was this was at a point where you know there was no visualization going off we didn't know what anything looked like there was no concept art so to have a chance to see an interpretation of it put down on you know put down on paper was something i've been really looking forward to so thank you very much and it's great to you know great to be able to speak to you
1: oh thanks so much Uh, great speaking to you guys and it was an honor to be able to work on it
0: well before we do start geeking out alien though i just you know, wanted to thank you for taking the time to to come and chat to us. But outside of your involvement of, you know, with the Alien franchise, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in the comics industry?
1: Uh, sure. You know, I started off doing, you know, covers here and there and, you know, like, you know, one shot maybe here and there. But uh, my first series was Sheltered, came out uh, through Image Comics in 2013, uh, me and Ed Brisson, Ed Brisson Writing, and uh, we did 15 issues. And uh, then after that, uh, the next kind of notable thing I did was a book called Angel Catbird with uh, Margaret Atwood. So that's what kind of put me in touch with my editor on Angel Catbird, is the editor on um, Alien. So he brought me on that. And uh, and I also uh, released a book last year called Firebug, a mythological Uh, volcano goddess venture that i uh, put out through uh,
0: image comics so that's daniel chabin is it yeah yeah didn't realize he'd done this one i just assumed uh, (laughs) randy did everything alien and predator
1: right no yeah uh, i I don't know how it uh, shook out but daniel contacted me about it and uh yeah you've been you've been my guy on on
0: this one okay cool So something we always love to know about our guests, especially those such as yourselves who get to play in this, you know, in this sandbox is about the first time they ever came across our favorite acid-blooded extraterrestrials. Do you remember the first time you became aware of Alien?
1: I think it was always kind of in the back, you know, it was always just kind of part of the, you know, the tapestry. But the the first one that I actually, that really stood out to me was Alien 3 was kind of around when it. I because uh, cause, like Ripley was looking badass he had a shaved head and I was like what the hell is this so that was kind of my first sort of entry point and then I went and saw the other ones and then after that it was game over as uh
0: <laughs> you came in on alien 3 that's that's an interesting one because that's not one a lot of people normally come in on
1: yeah because uh, the other ones were before my time so it was just it was just a bit and I, I think as a kid they were maybe a bit arty it's definitely alien would have been way too arty, with the pacing etc So Alien 3 was kind of my, my entry point. And then after that, you know, I, you know, the other ones were, you know, Alien and Aliens were, you know, far and away became, you know, some of my favorites, favorite movies of all time. So yeah, Alien 3, I I would say that was the first kind of touchstone for me.
0: Well, that's a cool little connection then as well, then with you, with you doing this alternative. Yeah,
1: yeah, it it was pretty cool, uh, getting to draw. Ripley, a little bit, a little bit for this, because, you know, she's so, uh, Sigourney Weaver so, um, iconic in the series all around, but in part three, you know, with the shaped head and just like looking badass, it was, it was really, it really stood out.
0: Mm. But the, the later entries are probably the most striking appearances for her. You know, with, with, like you say, with that bald head and then with that costume from Resurrection, you know, even if the, it's not the favorite film of the franchise, you know, that, that costume is um, one of the ones that I think is more iconic of her.
1: Yeah. And it was like the, uh, the first one where her, uh, physicality, like, you know, cause she's kind of the superhero, but like she had the, the physical strength of a superhero too. So it's like this really cool for, you know, for, you know, whatever anyone might say about the movie itself, like the Ripley in that one was like,
2: Personified outside as she was inside, which is really cool. And considering you you worked on this alternate Alien Three, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you specifically about your thoughts on the original film. How <laughs> how do you feel about it in general?
0: Uh, I there's <laughs> <tried> some <laughs> hedging coming on here. <laughs> I, I try to uh, I try to honor
1: everyone's attempt, uh, and I think it was I think it was cool. It had some really cool visual elements. It had some cool ideas in it. It doesn't really feel like a an alien movie to me. Really, it feels kind of like a music video, and very um, the performances were a bit big for me. But that being said, I, I know they they wanted to do something different, and you know I honor that they you know and I respect that they try to do something different with it.
2: Any thoughts of the uh, assembly cut? Have you seen that one?
1: No, no, I uh, yeah, just just a straight up one. No, I you know I saw I saw the. I don't know what the special edition... That in the assembly cut. That Okay, you know what? I have seen it then, yeah.
2: The one with the ox, yeah, instead of the dog. Yeah,
1: Yeah, which makes more sense.
2: Yeah, personally, I I thought the assembly cut helped it a bit myself, but yeah, it still remains as as the original trilogy. It's it's a flawed film. I mean, personally, for me, it's grown on me, and I know it has for you as as well, Aaron. But it, it is the weakest of the three for me. There's no question.
0: That's interesting that you also use um, music video to describe it, considering Fincher, you know, came from um, came from music videos as well because he was quite notable for a was it a Madonna video that he'd done prior to working on Alien Three?
2: I think it was.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and you could see it, you know, he like leaned into his strengths, which, you know, can't fault him for. I mean, the, the cool thing about the alien franchise is that every film takes on the, um, sort of personality of the, the filmmaker, Uh which is something I really like about them. And that's why I'm okay with some of them being better than others and not being super consistent because they all kind of like it's David Fincher take, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that I haven't done any franchise stuff or any property stuff in my comic career but one of the things that I thought would be cool about doing an Alien book was, is that the Alien franchise is so auteur-ish, you, you can kind of come in and give your version of it and it it still stands among you know, whether people like it or not it's, you know, the Fincher one is an Aliens movie you know, and that's, that's his window into the world, you know, through his lens, which, you know it's kind of
0: cool. How do you feel about Resurrection then, and the same sort of thoughts on in terms of the differences in tone and everything.
1: Yeah, you know, same same way. Like, it was, it was very much like uh, Delicatessen, you know. It felt like Coro film, you
0: know. It was, or the you know? you know.
1: Yeah, like, you know, the very, you know, camera, very close into everyone's faces, you know, very French cinema kind of thing, so... I don't know. Like, I mean, it was cool to look at, very superhero-y, but it wasn't. It was. It was. You know, they. You get to see the xenomorph move around a lot, so that's kind of cool. It was, it's, a, it's more of a visual situation than a than a character
0: piece. That's, that's often described as being as a bit of a um, comic booky kind of film. Would Would you agree with that sort of assessment of of it in terms of you know the visuals?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very cartoony. Everything's very big. Everything's very. There's not a lot of like slow building uh up to anything or big reveals like i mean there there is a reveal where winona the bot but that's not like it didn't like pay off in some world shattering kind of way it was kind of like oh yeah okay right right yeah the bot, cool but again not to knock it i mean it's just it's you know it's different. It is, yeah. yeah
0: different strokes for different folks i guess with those
1: yeah i was super excited about when watching it thinking that there was going to be an earth war after Mm. But didn't come.
0: Well, there there was a novel that
2: was kind of a sequel to Resurrection called Original Sin, which it's been a long time since I've read it. But I actually thought that one was kind of interesting, and it was cool to to see a continuation with those characters from Resurrection. Did it go like uh, crazy on on Earth? I'm assuming. <laughs> no, they were still out in in deep space, and and it had to do with the space jockeys before Ridley's interpretation of of them in the in the prequels. So. I don't, honestly, I don't remember a lot of that novel, Aaron. How did you, what did you think of that one?
0: I I think it was a bit of a middling one from what I remember, um, with some crazy, (laughs) crazy ideas in that one. But there was also some interesting stuff, like the idea that the space jockeys couldn't reproduce, so they'd been researching the aliens because of how easily they reproduced kind of thing. I haven't read it for a while myself either. Yeah,
2: I need to reread it.
0: But speaking of Earth War, you know, that segues on to your next question quite nicely.
2: Right. So so Alien has had quite the extensive expanded universe. Were you familiar with any of the previous series before starting work on this?
0: Just here
1: and there. Like, I would jump in when something had really cool art, like uh, Viola's, um Salvation, I believe it was.
0: Yes, yes, that's right.
1: Things like that would would kind of because uh i kind of think of a lot of franchises as wherever it started is where the canon is so anything outside of that is kind of where I, i'll pop in if it's like notably cool but you know uh star wars i'll follow it on screen but not
0: so much in any other media cuz well that's massive though isn't it there's so much to try and keep track of with that one
1: yeah and and then you know if they'll come out with a new movie that'll completely you know, uh, obliterate like ten years of like novel continuity or something, right? So it's just kind of like uh, I'll just stick with you know where it first appeared. And um, so with Alien, I just kind of unless it's like super super awesome visually, I, I usually just kind of skim the surface of of the extended universe.
0: Not even any interest in that the Earth the uh, Earth Hive and Earth War stuff, considering what it sounded like you you liked where Resurrection was going.
1: Yeah, I, I remember um, Earth War. And thinking it was cool, I do. But but that was kind of, you know, again, like Salvation. It was just like there is few and far between. So much so to the point where I don't remember a lot of the stories from them. I remember the the visuals mostly, okay. which is, uh, yeah, not enough to the storytellers. I'm sure they did, like, fantastic job. But it was just kind of, you know, like, come, as a kid, just kind of skim through. I, I did anyway. Didn't skim through, but I just, like, kind of, like, I devoured a bunch of stuff a lot and a lot of it, so. A lot of the stories from them didn't really stick in my brain i,
0: I would say that's fair um i mean there, there's some really cool stuff early on i mean we've not not many people have reached the height of book two which became nightmare asylum and um, so that was literally the second book uh, second series that they did I, I personally am not a huge fan of a lot of the um you know the color work in a lot of the older ones so yeah i can i can understand that i can, I can really understand that one but more specifically then, to you and, and to this series, how aware were you with William Gibson's Alien Three stuff prior to working on the series?
1: Uh, not very. I knew there were a bunch of versions of it, but I wasn't like I didn't deep dive on on a lot of it. It was uh, when I saw the vulture piece actually when I had a fuller understanding of like exactly how much how many versions there were in and, and the story of like Gibson's involvement. Okay.
0: So that that, that, that knowledge all just sort of came about when you were, you know, having to adapt this series then.
1: Yeah, about to approach uh, adapting it. Uh, uh, Daniel actually sent me the, the Vulture piece and I was like, oh, like, oh, you know. Like, you
0: know what? Actually, I, I'm pretty sure
1: I knew about it beforehand because when he sent it to me, it wasn't like a shock. It was like, oh yeah, right, right, right. But I think it was just kind of like peripheral sort of, like about as much as I know of the Vincent Ward stuff, I think, like it was just like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, but not like, even now, I don't have like a super deep, um understanding of the the vincent ward script and then that stuff it's just kind of like oh cool there's there's another one um and i think that's what you knew about um the gibson one like it was just oh cool that that
0: would have been interesting just a sort of peripheral kind of knowledge then yeah okay what what were those early conversations with daniel like i mean was it pretty much just a we're thinking of doing adaptations of old scripts do you want to you know get in on this or you know was it more specific sort of conversations about what would be happening things like that
1: yeah it was very much about this one like i still don't know if they have plans to do more uh i i know he just thought it would be really cool like oh hey check check out this article and uh we've got the rights you know we could probably we could probably get this made you know so it's like oh yeah that would be really cool so I you know i read it then i um read both uh, versions of it and uh and i got totally hooked reading the screenplays that uh, and i was i was pretty much in from that point on but yeah so the conversations were just kind of like enthusiasm like he was enthusiastic i was enthusiastic and just like all right yeah let's 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 try and make this thing
0: do you remember when abouts that was cool i would say around
1: fall 2017
0: Okay, so this, this has been going a good while then.
1: yeah, something like that like uh, we, we locked it in around fall 2017 then I got to work work adapting the scripts and um, trying to figure out how to to make it into a five issue series while um, preserving as much of it as I possibly could because that was very important to me and uh, and then yeah then got got rolling on art after you know uh, making sure things were up to uh, what Fox wanted in terms of uh, the visuals and yeah just kind of kind of plunked it out from there.
2: Any notable difficulties adapting the script into comic form?
1: Script-wise, it was um, not so much. Like it was more, more just uh, your your average storytelling challenges. Like um, as a, as a movie script, you know you, you're you've got you know you got a midpoint sort of uh, high point. You've got sort of breaking into to act three. You've got like those sort of uh, act breaks as high points. But if you want five cliffhangers, you have to sort of um, create more. So I had to heighten a few places to create five, not five, but four satisfying sort of cliffhangers to get you to the next issue. So it, it was uh, the challenge was trying to juice the drama in certain scenes, just heighten it just a bit, but not so much that it's that it's a high point before we get to our full on breakout uh, in issues four and five where things just go totally off the rails. So, yeah, so it was actually just kind of a really cool storytelling um, challenge to where to show like uh, we have a like a chess person scene that I, I did as a flashback to, to kick off issue two just so we can have like a nice visual punch and on issue one with the uh, reveal of hicks you know like things like that to sort of bring our viewer a uh, reader along and um, make them want to come back for more
0: and there wasn't a lot actually removed from it either I think I could think of there was one notable bit which was when Halliday met Hicks otherwise I think it was mostly just odd bits of dialogue as well so he didn't really need to trim out a great deal
1: yeah it took a lot of time just trying to make sure that that I kept I wanted to keep as much as I, as I could but without being you know um, not being a purist about it you know like it, I wanted it to stay in because it was all very good and it all made sense and the way uh, Gibson uh, wrote the screenplay as you guys might um, recall it's all baked in very well you know, as a novelist, it's not legoed in. It's all very of a piece. So a lot of uh, foreshadowing foreshad- and character bits were like tucked in with plot really nicely. So I wanted to preserve kind of that flow. So a lot of what I cut was um Bishop's journey through the tunnels.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: So a lot of that was really cool visually, but it didn't advance uh, the plot or... And I could see if you have uh, comics uh, exist out of time, right? We don't, we're not music or film or uh, a medium that has the, you know, like a tempo. Um Well, there's a visual tempo, but there's not like actual time. So uh, I could see uh, on screen, Bishop's journey through the tunnels would have been very cool because you could build up anticipation that way. But in a comic book, you could get rid of that because you can ratchet up tension using that, but it would like the page count would be ridiculous. And uh, I don't think it would give the reader that much more. So that was an easy place to cut. But for the most part, yeah, it was just kind of here and there, just trying to kind of shave, shave things off and, and sweeten things here or there um, as we went along.
0: Were, were you never tempted to try and like fix any of the little bits at all? You know, the things that sort of stood out about the, that that particular draft?
1: Only if I would have done them in consultation with, with, uh, William Gibson. So, so there were certain things that I thought like, oh, I could kind of like, uh, smooth this part over or that part over. But I thought some of the things that kind of weren't, the things that weren't super smooth kind of made things feel very amped to the horror for me a bit. So it just kind of felt like sometimes in a horror film, things don't seem like they're it's almost like a car accident. You're Walking on the street like it, it, there's like no rhyme or reason to the universe. Sometimes it's just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that thing happened and my, my world's on edge and there's no reason for it. And good God. So I thought like certain things in it that may have been I could have smoothed them over would have just added more um, reason and logic to the universe where I think the horror of the universe is the thing that kind of stands out for me more um so it's kind of it's it's i'm fine with things having warts so long as they aren't ridiculous so so anything that was you know just kind of a a little bit yeah yeah, i'm totally fine with it yeah
2: okay i do want to say though i thought you particularly uh nailed the look and personality of both bishop and hicks i thought those characters were really well done in the comic
0: Oh, thanks so much. Um, there was great likeness to Lance, actually. Well, those
1: two actors have some of the uh, all-time great faces of film. So it was like uh, a pleasure to draw them, I got to say.
2: And you had mentioned this was a, a five-issue run. Uh, Dark Horses Alien series usually tend to run for four issues. Was that the length you determined it needed to be from the beginning, was the five?
1: Yeah, I think um, my memory's a little uh, hazy on this. I think I think they were kind of hoping for four at first. But... I don't recall if like, I remember getting to five was pretty easy. So it wasn't like, uh, it was kind of like, oh, I think five might work. Yeah. You know, like it was, it wasn't like a, a big, a big deal, but yeah, I think, I think there was a leaning towards four, six might've been a bit much, five just felt right. Like a really nice place to, where you could still have some characterization and you could still have some builds because I wanted, I wanted the, the escalation, which is kind of the heart of the tension to be an important part of it. You know, the arms race. So you know you're with these characters as they're like they're trying to to do this thing on both sides they're trying to build up this this um this weapon and then when everything goes haywire it's all over <laughs> it's not it doesn't slowly slide back down the mountain it just like explodes so I thought the build was very important to that
0: must have been nice as well because a lot of like the older alien comic adaptations have only been like two issues three issues so you know these are the finished films that were getting such a small page count to actually have five i thought was great because you know it it didn't feel like you were being rushed and it felt like you you know you were able to draw um to go the proper pace which i really liked
1: yeah because if you were to do that in two i mean you could but then you'd have to use a whole lot of narration Mm. Uh, which wouldn't feel like a movie, it would feel like uh, a comic or a, or a novel, which this is a comic, but I wanted the comic to feel like Gibson's adaptation. You know, Neuromancer, some of that dialogue was so great, you know, that kind of uh, this like literary bent with, you know, kind of a noirish kind of dialogue. And uh, to cut a bunch of that for narration would have just been a great tragedy. It would be a, a second tragedy for this screenplay. <laughs> place, you know? five felt good because then you could keep a lot of like I love that line about you know eyes like cufflinks just yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that around it's just you know it's precious
0: priceless so I, I believe Fox actually specifically requested that you work off the second draft for this project but was there anything from the first that you would have actually liked to have brought over into the series had you been you know um, able to to intermingle a bit.
1: Well, the the first has you know full on action of like of like fifty or, or something a uh, xenomorph. So that would have been just like a um, full on explosion extravaganza. Uh, that part would have been cool. I think there was a
0: cafeteria scene, or was it a shopping area kind of scene that was? There was a shopping mall and a bar and stuff like that. Yeah, that would have been kind of cool.
1: But uh, I do think the the second was a was a right choice, especially for a comic book series. Because I don't know, I I do like the build better. Because I I think if you if you would have done the first one, it would have looked really cool and it would have been really fun. But it wouldn't be as memorable. Second one has a has more characterization, has more stuff for you to you know hold on to a lot longer.
0: How do you guys feel about that? You guys would have. I very much prefer the second draft myself. Um, I I actually feel a teeny, teeny little slither of ownership of this series because right. I've been talking to, you know, one of their main guys at Fox um, since Covenant came out and he was emailing asking about things that fans would be interested in and stuff like that. And this was one of the things I suggested to him. And um, they were then asking my opinions about, you know, which draft should they do. And I was like, if you want something batshit crazy, the first draft will work. But if you want something that would make a better film, a better experience, you know, um, a more restrained kind of thing, then go for the second. Because that's probably going to be a better all-round story. So I completely agree there. So
1: you were talking to them about uh, this adaptation or just like if they were this, to... This <laughs> one. This one. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: There was there was a few of us. Uh, they talked to a few fans um from around, you know, the the community. They've got a couple of like consultants who are also fans, and all of us were sort of saying, you know, do something like this. So when I say a tiny slither, I mean a tiny slither, but I st- <laughs> still feel it.
1: Oh no, that's that's really cool. I didn't know that part of it. Oh nice.
0: What about you, Adam?
2: Um, so I can't speak to this fully because I've only read the first draft, which I did think was crazy, but I also thought was was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I, I need to read the second draft and, and compare it to the, the comic to have a full opinion, I guess. But I guess this story, just compared to the first draft, it, it definitely did. It felt a little more grounded. I mean, it was still really different than we are used to seeing the alien, right? Like seeing the alien in this more viral context when it's almost like this werewolf kind of transformation into this full adult rather than what we're used to with the chestbursters. I mean, you had that as well, but but this kind of new genetic manipulation of the alien added this, this extra element to them, which I don't know. I, and this kind of goes to my feelings on the prequels. Like I've always been very like not, not fully on board with the alien presented as, as a a viral organism. But I mean, given, given just the, you adapting this, this screenplay that, that William did from, from everything I've heard about the second and even the beats that are very similar. to The first, it seemed like this was a very faithful interpretation. And, And a lot of the things I, had visualized like the the upp soldiers or the the anchor point station like just being able to see that was was really cool
0: well speaking of um you know visualizing things that we hadn't actually got to see i wanted to ask you a bit about the design process for the new beast um as it was called in the script so given how much alien covenant actually seemed to borrow from gibson's concepts i had expected to see a bit of uh, neomorph influence in there but it's very much not that so i was just curious about you know the, the the mentality that went into picking this new interpretation of the alien
1: yeah i'm a huge fan of Eager's work um always have been so i wanted to go back to uh that very organic the neomorph looks pretty uh organic in relation to like the very first alien the very first drone um but so i wanted that um those really beautiful drawings of um uh the skull through. The carapace that you know, that head dome deal, where you can actually see the skull. I thought very much about that as kind of our way of of doing it. No, that's the oh no, that's a that's the hybrid not the beast.
0: New beast was the hybrid. New beast. The viral. The, the 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 one from the mini eggs. Right. Oh no no. Okay,
1: because uh, in our script we uh, go like beast and hybrid. So I got I got a little confused. But yeah yeah. So uh, I really wanted to have a geeker look to um to to the new interpretation that we're using here. To go like go back to go forward kind
2: of deal. Yeah, you found someone who was pro skull, Aaron. I do. I,
0: I've got to ask. I've got to ask <laughs> you. This was actually. I wanted to leave it now because I knew it would come up when we were talking about you know th- this interpretation. But it's a bit of a fun sort of debate on our our message boards about you know the the original skull in in hr giga's first design so it's a bit of a, a pro school anti skull kind of thing and i love to ask um the people that work on these these projects about their stance on on that particular aspect of the original design even though we don't see it in the film but everybody knows it's there um how, how do you feel about the skull myself yeah i
1: love the skull it's yes. so cool okay anti like i can see how not having a skull makes it very terrifying because it's just this long sleek thing and then teeth and just sheer aggression and not knowing where the eyes are or what's going on. Or if it's got eyes, is it just smelling you? Like that's really terrifying. But in terms of just cool visuals, like skull, uh, adds that extra horror of, Oh, just kind of like, uh, what do you call that thing about, uh, you know, like, uh, organisms being, um, symmetrical, like biomorphism or. Like how that's kind of a thing that is um, present in life forms here on Earth. You know, you have like a symmetrical sort of form. The, the thought that maybe the skull is something that's for you know biopedal creatures is something that's universal. It's right. like, oh, gotcha. like this whole terrifying question of like, oh, like are, is is this just some sort of like strange alien,
0: like a grand design kind of thing?
1: Yeah, you know, just it 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 presents more questions, which um and, and makes. For uh, an un- uncomfortable association with this xenomorph, which I think, and plus it just looks cool, yeah. You know? So uh, I'm I'm pro skull. I can see. I can see. What do the anti skullers say? I want to hear this.
0: It, it's it's like you were saying, you know, with the the idea of. It being more frightening if you don't know where it's looking, kind of thing. Um, whereas I, I feel that an empty skull with no eye, to- with no eyes, is really, um, is really unsettling. Myself, you know, even if it is looking at you, you know, you can't see the eyeballs, you know, the pupils staring at you, kind of thing.
2: I gotta say, I've always, I've always liked both. I like the original skull under the dome design that Giger did, but but the Cameron alien, where it's just the smooth carapace, I, I also like. I'm not really one, one way or the other, personally. And I thought it worked well, even with the Predalien in ABPR. It was cool that they finally brought that back with that.
0: Was my favorite thing about that design, the skull. But but talking uh, New Beast hybrid specifically again, as well as the skull, you went for some very striking uh, red eyes on this take. Was that was that just an expansion of of filling the sockets, filling the skull? Um, what what was the thoughts behind that?
1: Well, uh, that was uh, our our colorist Tamra's uh choice to go with the red eyes i I wanted to give um i wasn't sure what she would do with it i thought she would uh just sort of mute it i thought she was going to keep the same color but just kind of have like an impression of eyes kind of like glinting out of the dark uh but she went with red and you know it's like all right her interpretation as well like everyone's adding to uh to this adaptation but yeah i think in my brain the eyes that i I left in there were just going to be blank yeah like pretty pretty blank but just like even more unsettling because like, is it like, I I think I see eyes in there, you know, like that kind of thing where it just makes you even more freaked out. Like, I think it's looking at me, but I'm not certain kind of
0: yeah. this is a general sort of y question now, I guess. But you know, when you, when you've done your when you've done your line work, do you not have much of a follow through connection with you know the the inkers or or the colorists?
1: Uh, I do actually. Uh, me and uh, Tamara have worked together so long though that it's gotten to the point that I don't unless unless I have a and, and I do at times. At times I have like a really strong feeling of um, oh yeah, this should look like that or this should look like this, and I'll I'll hand her a note on that. But for the most part. I, I kind of just like leave it to her discretion for for a lot of coloring choices, unless I have a very strong feeling about it. I think when we first started working together, there was more of that because that's just generally how it goes. But but it's been a, it's been quite some quite some time now. I think twenty fifteen something like that. So at this point, it's like I'm very comfortable with uh, a lot of her her color choices.
0: She works on you on is it Firebug, is that? oh uh, yeah, yeah, she does.
1: As well as Daniel Catbird. and uh, we did. Uh, a few issues of a sci-fi horror uh, called Pisces together as well. So,
2: so yeah. Okay. Uh, what about the design process for the other elements of the series? Did you go through um, many iterations? Anchor Point or the the UPP station, the Rodina? What was the design process like for the the human tech?
1: Comics, unfortunately. Uh, don't have the time that uh, feature films <laughs> do. Uh, so I thought we were going to go through a, a lot of versions of those, but those were... Like, I think, I think those were like right out the bat, like, Rodina and uh, Anchor Point, I like kind of fired off a, a version. They were like, cool, like, we need, we need to, uh, you know, get the train rolling. So they, they got the, the, the train rolling. Uh, the thing that they were very, that they really wanted to look a certain way was the Interceptor. I had an early version of it that, That looked uh, a bit different, and they wanted the interceptor to look like the uh, the dropship, Cheyenne dropship, which I thought would be quite confusing.
0: So uh, that that was actually pretty much one of my well, my only real point of contention with the series Uh is that design. Who did that come from then? Sorry, was that Fox or Dark Horse?
1: Uh, That was Fox. Yeah that that was uh, that was a bone of contention (laughs) with me as well. Yeah, there was was some back and forth on that because to me it makes it would just I thought it would just confuse. It would confuse and it wouldn't make any sense. And it just like, uh, we have an opportunity to, to really prove their tech as well to get a sense of otherness with the UPP, you know? So we're telling the story on lots of different levels, not just like them stepping out and going, I'm UPP and I'm a Russian stand-in. Like, no, no, like this is what the tech looks like. This is what the uniforms look like. This is what, you know, but for whatever I never, you know, I never got a straight answer, but they wanted it to look like the interceptor. They wanted a lot of the um, the suits. I wanted the I had the early UPP suits look a little bit more um, futuristic because I thought like if you had another pocket of because we, we only see really like whaling Utani type tech and if if there are if there are other suppliers making other stuff like it would probably look a little bit different. But I didn't want it to be so different that it was like completely outside of you know the aesthetic of, of Alien franchise. But I wanted it to be its own thing, you know. Uh, but they wanted a lot of the, the UPP suits to look very close to um, Colonial Marine stuff and right down to the dropship. So, you know, hey, it's... Uh,
0: <laughs> They're paying the bills.
1: Paying the bills. It's their property. So,
0: what what yeah. was your other design like? Uh, it was, uh, I had
1: uh, a lot of the displays would be inside of the helmets. And a lot of the helmets were the, the bodysuit armor was very um i wanted it to look like a lot of layers and i wanted it to look like it was built for agility but also like a tank like a very agile tank kind of thing you know hydraulics and things that would just kind of like move the thing along it would be kind of like kind of like robocop 2 you know
0: <laughs> like how yeah
1: yeah just not exactly like that not at all not not big and clunky or anything but just that kind of feeling where, well, that thing's pretty big, but oh my goodness, it's pretty fast. I wanted it to feel like that. Um, but but still be, you know, the size of a spacesuit. like it wasn't
0: it wasn't oversized or anything. But, you know. What what about the inter the the earlier interceptor designs as well then, before it went a bit drop What was that like?
1: What was it like? It was it was a lot more like um, you know, it was, it was much more like uh the Valiant or Defiant from Deep facing. Uh, okay. I just kind of like I wanted it to be kind of sturdy. And I wanted it to be, uh, like quick and maneuverable with, there were these sort of like phalanges on the side that kind of would, could raise up and out to sort of simulate wings, but not really because of course you don't need wings, but just to kind of, kind of tuck in or tuck out for visual, you know, pizzazz. But no, they they wanted the uh, the
0: dropship, so. Oh, that's really interesting. I, w- I would never have really thought of like a, a defianty kind of look to it. Are you massively familiar with Halo?
1: No, no. I, I have this, uh, this is dorky, but I have this, uh, I don't get motion sick on a lot of things, but video games for some reason, I get motion sick. It's the most ridiculous, I know, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I if I go on a really long boat ride, I'll get motion sick. And if I get if I uh, if I play video games, which is quite embarrassing, because as a kid I would keep playing, and I would and you know I just like be laying out on the ground trying to hold on to the spinning world. And my oh. friends were just like, "Stop, man! What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm gonna win." I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: Is it is it like all games or specifically more first person ones?
1: At this point, I just I I stopped so long ago that you know I just remember it was like you know Tekken would send me into you know. <laughs> Like almost anything, you know, first person shooters. Like, uh, yeah,
0: I would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Fair, fair enough.
2: That's yeah. too bad. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend who can't do first person games. They need something for like their eyes to fixate on. So third person games they can handle just fine. But but it's the first person that makes them motion sick.
1: I, I think even something is like if I were to play like really old NES, I think even just the screen moving. would And that makes no sense. I know. Because it's, because it's not like, um, there's no like orientation weirdness, or whatever, but even just like, uh, the screen sliding from the next sort of background screen over time, like it would take a lot longer, but after a while, my brain would start, cause you know, those screens do move quick pretty quickly. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, can't say I expected to hear that story today but <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just for those listening the reason i brought up halo was cuz i personally was um i imagined the interceptor looking like the longsword from halo and so for those of you who were aware that's that's what i was used to imagine it but yeah that's cool knowing that it, it used to look like the Defiant. and and you touched on you've touched on this next one obviously a little bit um with the last question Uh, Because I wanted to ask you a bit about the collaborative process that was involved with this series. So, you know, how involved were Fox and uh, did you, you know, did you communicate with William Gibson at all?
1: Didn't communicate directly with Fox at all. Uh, I got most of my notes through um, Dark Horse or all my notes through Dark Horse. And uh, yeah, I was able to to meet with uh, Gibson and I I fired him over some... Uh, all the changes I made, I wanted him to know kind of, uh, what I was changing just in case, you know, like he had some grand design, like, no, oh, no, you got to leave that in because X, Y, and Z. I was very much, I very much wanted him to be okay with, with, uh, the stuff that I was doing with it. Uh, and he was, he was pretty supportive. He was like super supportive of the stuff that, that I was doing with it. So he was, he was, a a real uh, joy to work with. Was,
0: was he, was he quite open about this? Because, you know, f- for, from reading stuff you know gibson's sort of relationship with alien 3 is very much what finch's sort of was you know where they were messed about by um the producers and whatever so he's never gibson's never really seemed to want to talk about about his time on the on the film so you yeah know, yeah he, i
1: thought i thought he'd be um i thought he would just be kind of like ah oh, yeah whatever you guys do what you want like leave me alone about it but no like he uh would uh i I think would read through like what i sent him and and this sort of thing and then would respond to it so i i think he was uh i think he thought like oh yeah this is cool like it like doesn't hurt you know it's it's happening you know i'm sure he's well past it in terms of like but i think it was just kind of like this cool kind of like thing that was happening you know but that that's just me uh guessing but but he was he was like super friendly and cooperative and and, uh, supportive
0: from what i recall you know this particular alien 3 was envisioned as being the first in a two-part adventure did you discuss like any of his ideas for a potential alien 4 at all and would you be interested in continuing on within this you know alternative continuity
1: <laughs> um no i didn't ask him about that um i read that uh or, or heard that as well but yeah I, I didn't ask him about it and um i think uh he was he it it kind of felt like a lot of the ideas in it were the producers had like oh yeah we got to have space russians and yeah, we got to have this sort of stuff so uh i think some of it for him was like all right like it's stuff that's in there that's you know so i i don't think he i think he was again this is just me guessing because you'd have to ask him but i think he was just kind of uh working with what was on his plate at the time like just okay i'm going to do this thing and that's going to be that and if it goes somewhere maybe um but this is me guessing and I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, you know, never say never. Like, uh, if if we were to expand it, possibly, maybe. Right now, like, um, I'm writing a sci-fi series that should be coming out this year. So I'm kind of like, uh, my brain's already in a in another sci-fi universe. But you know, it might be interesting. Never say never. Okay.
2: And overall, what would you say was your favorite thing about working on this series?
1: Uh drawing the xenomorph. Like, I, I love the xenomorph. I love the uh the face hugger. It's probably my favorite movie Monster. Yeah. I could say something like, you know, deep themes of, you know, uh escalation and alienation and uh, you know, cooperation and all this and that,
0: but it was it was the monsters. My favorite part was drawing the <laughs> uh, if I could draw, I'd certainly love drawing an alien. No no two ways about that.
2: yeah that's always one of the things I'm I'm looking at the most in, in the various comics is the different artists' interpretations of of the xenomorphs. And again, I think yours was was really effective here and the way you portrayed just their quick movement and ferocity was, was really impressive. Do you know what's in store for us with the trade publication, the paperback? Have you done any additional content for it?
1: Yeah, I think in a trade, you'll see the original UPP spacesuit. Um, I think you'll see the, the kind of the original interceptor. Some of that stuff's kind of like tucked in there. And I, I could be wrong, but I think it might be a, might even be a hardcover. So the designs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The designs I'm seeing for are uh, really, really cool. And it's got a, a new forward by Gibson, which is, um, really exciting. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it looks, I haven't seen a hard copy. I've just seen the files for it. And it looks beautiful.
0: I love how much they're doing a lot of hard um, hardback stuff um, for their series at the minute. And I'm really liking it. Yeah. Really nice presentation.
2: Uh, I was I was also just kind of wondering, there were a number of um, alternate covers done for this series as, as kind of per usual with these comics. Did you have one that was like a personal favorite?
1: Personal favorite of
2: the... Uh, the, me- the variant covers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, Paulo Rivera's was really cool. Like it was this, um, like very motify. Like it, it was kind of a.
0: Was that the last issue?
1: The first one. So it had like basically the whole story told.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah the one with Hicks and Bishop and the yeah. alien in the center.
1: It was really you don't see that sort of thing in, in, um, definitely not on a variant cover anymore or any covers. Like they're usually just kind of falls to the wall, like insanity, like cool shot. Not a lot of like, oh, here's a cool story um the James Heron one of course is really cool yeah they were all pretty cool they all looked really nice but I I think I'm going to give
0: it to Capello on that one I really liked yours you know they were very sort of um minimalistic in in you know the the focus was very much on on these one or two aspects in the middle I really liked yours
1: thanks a lot yeah uh Actually, actually, uh, Daniel was like, Hey, how do you, how do you feel about doing like vignettes on it? Because like I, like I just said, you know, the, the thought with the comic cover is usually you want to go like full on, just like, yeah, rip the doors off. But he's like, Oh, how do you feel about like doing vignettes? And I was like, No, that'd be really, that'd be really cool. Like we could keep it classy. So it was really cool to just like keep them very simple and very just like based on expanding the theme with just these very isolated images. I'm uh, pleased with how they turned out as well.
0: Well, that that's actually f- everything from Adam and I. Uh, but before we do just sign off, we did just have a couple of questions from the community. We do we do always like to you know open it up to the various members out there and see what comes back, see what people want to ask you. And we've picked two from oh, There's was one um, one guy actually, um, Bradley John uh, Sudbeck. And the first one is just. What was your favorite panel or page from the series?
1: So that one where the the facehugger is about to jump on poor Kurtz. I love okay. that very early on them. Yeah, but it's just because you know. I mean, I, I love facehuggers.
0: When when you had the limbs melting through the mask as well, that was that was cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love that that monster.
0: Uh, Bradley also has a question
2: about the visual style of the series. He says the art style used was very detailed and consistent, but it also seemed brighter and more vivid coloring compared to some of the more other recent alien comics. Uh, Was this a conscious choice?
1: Uh, Again, I kind of like, uh, I left, all the coloring up to tamra so i, I figured tamra and daniel would discuss what they wanted to do with the colors it was brighter than i thought it was going to be also but i thought it was cool too I was just like oh that i thought i thought they were going to go with like much more like you know like earthy and muted but I was like oh that's kind of interesting like like uh like i said about all the other um alien visuals they're all they always kind of take on the the flavor of who's cooking you know <laughs> that makes no sense but uh yeah is is that typical of her style i think sometimes uh but sometimes she can do the other thing so it, it does seem like a choice to to do that i haven't discussed it with her but yeah it's it's brighter than I thought too but i thought it worked
2: yeah i i think so too it honestly kind of reminded me of some of those 90s colorations of of the earlier aliens comics and i think given the the subject matter that this was a unused screenplay from the early nineties that it really fit. But, um, again, that's, that's pretty much everything. So thanks again for joining us and taking the time to to chat with us today. But before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to share any, any anecdotes or things that our listeners would be interested to know that we haven't given you the opportunity to share?
1: No, I've got nothing more to add. Um, it was, uh, it was really fun. It was uh, cool to do. Yeah, okay. Like having more with each other. That was really
0: fun. Well, where can where can folk find you online? Is and is um, there anything people should be looking out for next from you?
1: Find me online uh, on Twitter j underscore xmas uh, on Twitter and on um, Instagram I'm Johnny with an I E xmas. Uh, you can find me there, and you know on Facebook and all the other usual places. Um, the next thing I'm doing, uh, it hasn't been announced yet, so I can't give you the title, but it's a, it's a sci-fi based on this like alien world, sort of like Star Wars meets Breaking Bad. And it should be coming out uh, this year. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, uh, art by this phenomenal artist. So, yeah, keep an eye out for it. We'll be announcing,
0: hopefully, sometime soon. Okay cool adam where can folk find us online uh so you can find us
2: on our website at avpgalaxy.net. we are also on facebook twitter and instagram and youtube as well and if you'd like to follow me personally it's just at ridgetop21 on twitter and instagram
0: you can uh, you can follow me personally on twitter at underscore corporal hicks and that's for avp stuff stargate general sci-fi nerdiness and sometimes the bit of airsoft in as well Uh, thank you everybody for listening this has been aaron percival and adam zeller
1: johnny christmas signing off